Paul was afraid, full of fear. Would you turn with me if you have your Bibles to Psalm 121? Because I want us to see that this is Paul experiencing God's care like right in front of us. Psalm 121, familiar to many of us. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Wow, in Psalm, excuse me, in Acts chapter 18, we get a front row seat and we see how God was taking care of his people. And at this moment, we get to see how he was taking care of Paul. And, And God, through Luke, gives us this little snippet of Paul's life to show us that as his disciples, we do not need to fear to know that the Lord knows what's going on in our lives and that he is watching over us. And Acts 18 is just one of the one part of God's bigger story, how God is building his church. And he's still doing that, that he's all strong, that he's all present and that he's all powerful. A long time ago, one of my sons said to his mother, Mom, you're wearing out my batteries. (laughs) She was just being a good mom. God's batteries never wear down. They never need to be recharged. His care for us never, ever changes. And he's not stopping building his church. So today, I just want to remind us from Acts chapter 18, these first several verses, that God's still busy building his church that we are to go and make disciples, the command still stands, and we can. (laughs) Because God is with us, and he's changing our lives, and he wants to change other people's as well. So let this chapter fill you with encouragement this morning, all of us with encouragement this morning. When the gospel's spoken, people will believe. Know that the Lord knows what's going on, And Jesus' presence and care is here. The Lord knows. Know that he knows. So let's look at Corinth a little bit, because in verse 1 it says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And, And last week we were in the city of Athens, and we were talking about how the gospel broke through man's best philosophies that left them short of knowing the true God, and yet the gospel broke through. It wasn't a big church, not a lot got saved, but the gospel broke through, and that should encourage us. And now Paul takes a hike, and if you want to find out where Corinth is, you can look on your own uh, phone, but not right now, and find out where that is. But Paul took a hike of about 50 or 60 miles to Corinth. It was located on a little isthmus, a little landmass between uh, two seas. It was a port city. 
and, and, and there was a, a port on, on the east side and a port on the west side, and there was foot traffic and cargo traffic going in between. They jumped there to get from one place to the other quicker. They didn't have speedboats and nuclear-powered ships and things like that back then. So they used the land to cross over to make things quick. East-west traffic going back and forth from Rome to the rest of the empire. It was a crazy city, a busy city, a trading route, hustling and bustling. G. Campbell Morgan says this, if Athens was a center of clouded light, Corinth is the center of corrupt life. If Athens is the center of idolatry, Corinth is the center of sensuality. That was Corinth. Humanity's best philosophies in Athens, now digressing under the weight of humanity's sinful nature and being lived out on the streets in Corinth. Its people were living without awareness of their personal creator. They have traded God's glories for shameful glories. The temple of Aphrodite was there, where part of the worship service was copulating with a prostitute. Popular religion. But it wasn't just sexual sensuality that was Corinth's problems or, or its, uh, what it was known for, but it pursued comforts and power and pleasures at every cost, it drove the city. Its city was filled with people chasing after luxury, living in deepest poverty, slave and free, poor and wealthy, and everything in between. Sound like anywhere where you live? Paul wrote his letter to the Romans when he was sitting in Corinth. So when he wrote Romans chapter 1, familiar verses, he was sitting in Corinth. And here's what he wrote in Romans chapter 1. Let me get there. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of God for the immortal God, for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves a due penalty from their heir. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, and it goes on and on. So there we go. <laughs> that was Corinth. Dark, living out humanity's best thinking because sin weighed it down. What about the disciples that were in Corinth? Paul read verses one through 11, and we see that many became, came to faith. What do we learn about these disciples? Well, first of all, it says that Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia. They had been up in northern Greece, and now they came down south 
to Corinth. And they brought with them news from Thessalonica that the Christians were doing well there. Remember, they were being persecuted. And they brought a financial gift. And now it says that Paul taught full time. Paul was occupied with the word, it says in the English Standard Version. In the Greek, literally, it says Paul held himself to the word. He was focused on the word. So he got a gift from others and he was a full time serving God. And as always was his case, he went to the Jews first and they opposed him. And when they opposed him, Paul went to the Gentiles. So here the church is growing again. One of the darkest cities described in the book of Romans, their actions, their behavior, their lifestyle, their values, everything was laid out there and and the gospel broke through. Jews and Gentiles believed. They were baptized as his followers. They were identified with Christ. They believed that Christ died for their sins, that he was raised to life, that they were new men and women in Christ, followers of the true God and Savior. The gospel had broke through in Athens and it broke through in Corinth powerfully. That self-centered, driving passion, the gospel broke through and changed people dramatically. We need to be energized by this. We need to be thrilled by this. The gospel broke through the darkest clouds of sin. But that sin affected that church. Have your Bibles turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. What does Paul write in verse 9? Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9. Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to verse 11. And such were some of you. But now you're washed. You are, were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Wow. Power. The unholy ways of Corinth turned upside down. The gospel cleansed them, made them These unholy people who did everything. There's nothing new being done under the sun in our day. And yet the gospel changes lives. The gospel of grace, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ broke through. And it still does. Do you believe that? Are you willing to dare to say it? To speak it? To live it? And to help others see that light. Jesus' gospel has the power to turn people's confused hearts to God's purpose and true meaning. They're trying to find meaning and fulfillment with wealth. We try to do it with our work, with our creativity, with our sexual identity, and we are still not satisfied. Jesus Christ offers abundant life, and it's for real, and his ways and his commands and his grace and his forgiveness makes all things new. We need to trade in our good ideas in humanity to God's best and perfect ideas. The gospel broke through Corinth's confusion 
and it still does today. It can break through Havertown's confusion. What we know about Corinth makes us realize that there is nothing, true, nothing new under the sun. Their world and our world matches up so closely. So don't be discouraged. You have the gospel of God. You have the power of God. You have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. We have the truth that sets us free. We sang about it today. I was crying when we were singing about it today because it's so true. I need to believe it. How about you? And to dare to speak it and to live it, to be wise as serpent and gentle as doves as we live. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just a picture of Corinth, just a picture of Havertown, just a picture of where you and I live and know the gospel breaks through. So we know a little bit about Corinth. There's a lot more to be learned. You can read about it, study it. Go for it. But what did God know about Corinth? I want to pick up at verses 9 and 10, because they're really the focus today. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. Paul was afraid. Doesn't tell us what he was afraid of, but we can kind of figure it out. God told on him. Paul was afraid. What was he afraid of? Paul's fear was built on repeated experiences that he had had in the months before this time. Think about it. Every time Paul went to a city, what happened? He preached the gospel. Somebody believes. Jews and Gentiles believe. Triumph. We talked about that last week. And then what happens? Trouble. Somebody gets angry. Somebody gets upset. Turmoil. It happened in Philippi. Lydia gets saved. Her family gets saved. Then Paul gets imprisoned. He gets beaten. He gets thrown out of the city. He's got to move on to the next city, Thessalonica. What happens there? Somebody believes. Great, the gospel's preached. The truth comes out. And then there's a riot. He has to flee for his life. He goes to Berea. And the people from Thessalonica that hated him there went miles and miles to Berea to chase him out of that town. People believe, but he has to run for his life. So I can hear Paul saying, here we go again. I've been down this road before. People believed in Corinth. It's great. But the Jews are starting to talk. I mean, did you notice that uh, 
Titius Justus lived right next door to the synagogue. He became a believer and the synagogue leader, Crispus, believed. I mean, wouldn't that stir up the people in that congregation? Do you think they're happy about that? They're starting to talk. They're starting to get upset. And Paul's saying, oh, no, what's it going to be this time, Lord? Another beating? More jail time? More stones? Am I going to die this time? Am I going to be maimed for life? I think grad school looks kind of good. Maybe I'll just go to tent making. What did God know that Paul did not? It's right there, isn't it? For I have many in, in this city who are, say it with me, my people. That's an awesome thought. When God calls you mine. And if you're God's, then it's all going to be okay. All the people in that city were God's people. But God knew that there were those who were going to be called his children. And some of them were homosexuals. And they were going to be his people. And he was not going to be ashamed of them. Because they were his. He knew their name before the foundation of the world. So Paul, preach my gospel. I have plans. Corinth looks so dark. But Paul, I can see things you can't. I love those people, and they are mine. Paul was afraid. Are you afraid? Afraid to speak the gospel because of pushback you will get? We all have a history of hurts. And some of us have hurts from the church history in our lives. And it's too easy to project from our past and put it on the present and think it's going to be the same. And God's saying, no, I am with you and I have many people in this city. What are you going to do with your hurtful baggage? We bring it from our own life choices. We bring it from hurts other people dump on us, all the worries and life's concerns that trouble our minds and hearts. What are you going to do with yours? Well, you know, Jesus helps us out. There's a story in Luke chapter 10. Maybe you're familiar with it. A couple women, Mary and Martha. You know that story, a lot of you do. Jesus was there and Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha's trying to make a great dinner. She's being a great hostess, but she's getting all stirred up because her sister's not helping her. She comes to Jesus and says, won't you tell Mary to help me? And he just says, Martha, you're worried about so many things. But Mary's chosen well. Come and learn from me. Sit at my feet. 
Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So if you're afraid, we need to go sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him. What did God see that Paul didn't? <laughs> that we might not see either when we look out at Havertown or whatever burg or town or ville you live in. Jesus sees fields white for harvest, ready to be cut and brought into the barn and protected and, and, and built up. What did Jesus see at that well in Sychar when that Samaritan woman came that the disciples missed because of their prejudices, because of uh, their patterns of thought that they hadn't surrendered to him yet? And I just say, Lord, open my eyes, open my closed eyes to see the cherished people that you see, that you created, that you died for, that you came to rescue. Lord, transform my thinking. Let me see your truth and all its power and its great possibilities again. Lord, do something amazing again so that when we preach your gospel, when I speak your gospel, when I dare to share a truth or what you're doing in my life, that someone will respond, that you'll rescue people mightily again. Lord, do something great with your gospel. We know you want to. Would you be pleased to do it through us? Hey, the Lord says, my people's names are engraved in my hands, the palms of my hands. They're my people. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and no one can snatch them out of my hands. I have many in this city who are my people. <laughs> From a human viewpoint, they are unrighteous. They're practicing sexual immorality of every kind against God's design, and they're proud of it. They're thieves, they're drunkards, they're greedy, they're swindlers, and such were some of us. And God's grace broke through. I have many in this city who are my people. God's timeless view. Child of God, this morning, I want you to know that you are just as precious to God as the Apostle Paul was, or Peter, or Hannah, or Esther, or Mary and Martha, and all those saints that we read about in the scriptures. If you are a follower of Christ, or you, if you are a believer in him today, then you are one of his. You are, can I say it, my people. Let that grip your heart this morning. Because if God is for you, who can be against you? We know a little bit about Corinth. We know a little bit about what God saw that Paul didn't. God saw his fear, but God saw people that were his. Just wanted to mention a few more life lessons for us this morning. Do not be afraid, it says in verse 9, but go on speaking and do not be silent, verse 10, for I am what? With you. The impact on your life 
when you understand this truth, for I am with you. You know Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Do you see how personal and close the shepherd is? He leads me. He guides me. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He's right there. He's not distant. He's near. He's not unconcerned, but he's actively engaged in your life, totally aware of every life event that's going on around you, great and small. And remind yourself of that regularly. What was it today that God has done for you? That's your homework assignment. Think about all that God has done for you. You can go back as far as you want, an hour or two, or as many years that you've been alive. And think about all that God has done for you, how he's led you, how he's guided you. And if you don't like where your life is right now, talk to him about it. Ask him to show you how maybe you've contributed to the troubled water instead of the still waters. Ask for his help and he will be there for you because he is your shepherd through faith in him. He will be with you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Holy Spirit is there everywhere with us, convicting, correcting, comforting, leading. He's a deposit guaranteeing that we will never be lost or thrown away And it's all because of our faith in Christ, not anything we have done, but because of all that Christ has done for us. That is the good news, the gospel. Let the truth that God is present with you, I am with you, let that sink in the next time you're afraid. And understand God's provision. (laughs) And no one will attack you to harm you. Here they go again. The Jews are plotting to get me. I'm sure Paul was hearing the rumors He was catching wind of the plan to go after him. History was getting him down. Oh no, not again. Key Jewish people and Gentiles were believing triumph. I've been here before. The synagogue leaders are going to be after me. And he was afraid to speak the gospel. And God said, don't be afraid. No one will attack you to harm you at this time. Paul wrote Romans from the city of Corinth, and he was processing this very idea of of suffering for Christ, working through his life's up and downs. Is it worth it? Can I continue on? I'm so afraid. And here's what he says in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's ahead. That's what he finally came to the conclusion. I think he was working through it. You know, he just didn't wake up in the morning and say, oh, God's got this, everything's okay. He was afraid. He was worried about it. He kept coming back, but finally he was able to write, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. His heart was at rest in Christ. Creation is groaning. It's longing to be delivered, free from sin's curse. And we groan too. What did you groan about this week? 
Paul had a lot of reasons to groan, but God promised that he would be with him and present with him at this time. Wasn't always the case. But at this time, he could be at peace and know that God was watching over him and he could endure it because that was God's good plan. God was present with him. He promised his protection. He brought partners along with him. Aquila and Priscilla came. They were tent makers. They had a lot in common. He had camaraderie. He was not alone. Gifts from other believers, good positive words from Silas and Timothy about how the believers were growing in Thessalonica. What an encouraging thing. That was God's provision to help him along. The end of the chapter. Galileo. The proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul, it says in verse 12, and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Galileo said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal and they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and they beat him in front of the tribunal. But Galileo paid no attention to any of it. It wasn't because Galileo didn't care. As a matter of fact, he was a well-respected proconsul. As a matter of fact, he's famous for being a great statesman. He's well known as being wise and fair and caring. So why didn't he do anything? God used him to encourage Paul. He was there at that time to say, to put a stamp of approval, to say this Christian faith, which was kind of connected with the Jewish faith at the time, is a legal religion in the empire and he set a precedent that lasted for about a decade in the Roman Empire to let the church grow, the gospel to spread before Nero started his persecutions. Isn't that something? God was in this, protecting and guiding not only Paul's life, but the church around the world, the people of God. Consider what great things God has done for us. Your homework assignment is to do that and then to tell someone how God has been good to you, to share how God's grace has been working in your life. Know that God knows. He knows what's going on in our lives that bring worry and fear. The Lord sees them and he's watching us through it all. He is present with us. He will provide and protect in his good and perfect plan. And the sufferings we endure for the gospel are worth it. The sufferings we have to endure just because we're humans, God will see us through. The world cannot separate us from God's love. The glories ahead outweigh anything we suffer now. I don't always believe it. I don't always feel it, but I know it's true. Let that truth sink in. Review it regularly. Verses 9 and 10 are worth reading again. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are 
my people. Are we afraid to speak about Christ and his truth? Yes. And that fear can blind us to the many people that God has that are his. And we can speak that gospel and be a part of them coming to faith in God and all that Christ has done for them. Jesus told us to work while it's day because the night is coming. Students, you have daylight in your life right now that you will never have again. You will never be around so many different kinds of people, teammates, classmates, roommates, clubmates, major mates, whatever it is. Do you see the fields that are there? And will you work in your field while it is day? Christ is asking you to do that, to believe and to trust because there are many people in your school that are his. Parents, you have daylight to tell the gospel to your own children and to their friends and to their family's friends, the things you have in common because of soccer and, and dance and whatever else your kids are into, that you'll never have again work while it's day. Employers and employees and co-workers and grandparents and pastors and elders, God's put you in your place so you can speak about his glories and tell people about the hope of the gospel that Christ's death on the cross purchased their forgiveness. We have daylight now. Let's use it. By God's strength, by his help, we can. And let's ask the Lord to help us overcome our fears, just like he helped Paul. He will help us. Let's pray. Father and God, Lord, you know your sheep. <laughs> and you came seeking us when we were lost, corrupt, evil. And you loved us and you called us by name. Oh, Lord, help us to lead others to your green pastures and to your quiet waters. Send us out, assure us of your presence and your help. Overcome our fear. Spirit of God, fill us with faith. We pray this all in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen.